This is The Thirst Tank, presented by Trap Brewing Company. All the things you can't control are going to cause you stress. There's no getting away from that. Like those things loom over us. And, uh, and we can't get away from that. But, you know, to a degree, you've got to take a deep breath and throw that over your shoulder. Um, what can you control? Um, and write down that list of things. What can you control? What are the things you can alter within your business? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Thirst Time, the show that takes a deep dive into the careers and journeys of some of the most creative minds in the craft beer industry today. So today's episode, something slightly different and our first ever repeat guest. We are talking to Bruce Gray and uh, Bruce is from Left Handed Giant. And yeah, I kind of wanted to catch up with someone and maybe have a little bit of an honest and open conversation about the current challenges and situation facing breweries. Yeah, it's I genuinely want to keep it really upbeat and positive, but maybe I just thought a little dose of reality and so everyone can kind of check in. And I know that everyone is going through so much right now. Uh, but yeah, where our industry is concerned, I turn to Bruce because he's the sensei. That's what we call him. So it was time to get that wisdom. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time. And this is our interview with Bruce Gray. You are the first person to kind of come on this thing twice. Um, oh, and the last what a, time. What a privilege. <laughs> I know, I know. And, uh, you know, we refer to you as the sensei of the industry. And I feel like maybe that now's the time to, to reach for that knowledge. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I guess I don't know really where this is going to go. There's a few points that I wanted to touch on uh, and just get your perspective on. I, I generally kind of try and keep everything really positive and forward looking with regards to beer and people and collaborative ideas and you know what what's around the corner kind of thing but I feel like now is probably a time just to to kind of bring some cold hard reality to the table of the current situation for people who may not recognize where a brewery sits in the current economic climate but also you've got you know your vast experience and owner of bars as well so you can kind of see it from multiple sides um so yeah i mean we went through everything with covid that was pretty gnarly i know that the bar you know you guys especially you just hit your strides done the done the crowdfund the bar was off the ground it was flying and then suddenly we you get dead motion and i think Another reason I wanted to speak to you about this is because when we were talking last time, we were kind of talking about what's to come in the next five years or so. And there was a bit of worry and trepidation on your part about the, um, you know, these bounce back, these kickback loans and, and, and stuff that, but then, then you come out of a pandemic and you enter a war (laughs) and, uh, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot on the table there, but I just wanted like maybe on your personal view and then as a business side of things, what, what, what's going on at the moment? Yeah, certainly when we, when we last spoke, you know, the, we, and, and I would go back actually to say that I'm with you. Like, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, in general terms, like a really, really optimistic person. 
Um, and would, in general terms, I think always look at the positive rather than the negative. And, and usually, I think probably a blind spot to the to that's probably one of my weaknesses. I think probably a blind spot to the negatives and charge ahead, regardless. But it's difficult within the current climate to look at it and not have the um, challenges and threats to businesses and the industry at large. I think, you know, from, a, from an independent small craft beer perspective, from an industry, the threats to that um, front and foremost in your minds um, and not be, you know, not have that as a shadow over every decision that we are making on a daily basis and with regards to our long-term plans. Um, so, you know, the, the last time we spoke, we we spoke. It's probably worth recapping a little bit as well, mm-hmm. because, the you know, heading out of um, COVID, there was, a, the, there was no doubt a hangover and a challenge that was facing, I think, most small breweries and potentially um, bars as well with regards to the loans that they took to allow themselves to survive um, the pandemic. Um, so those, those loans were on, generally speaking, 12 months, um, no repayments. Um, uh, so every one of us was able to take them, um, use certainly some of that money to um, allow us to survive the impact and to trade through the pandemic um, and not begin the repayments until um, theoretically the pandemic had finished and we had our income returned to normal streams. But then obviously we were left in a position where we had to stomach those payments, um, those repayments against a loan that was not used um, in most terms. Obviously, I'm speaking broadly here um, in exchange for um, revenue increasing investment. It was used, I think, generally speaking, for cash flow um, as it was designed to be. It was a, you know, it was a, um, it was a loan designed to allow businesses to try and survive the pandemic. Um, so we, we were all faced with that challenge coming out, which meant obviously we all had to go back quickly to profit um, a generation to allow us to sustain that additional um, debt repayments. Um, and none of us, I don't think, it's fair to say, um, uh, <laughs> expected to go into a situation like we have over the last year where I uh, certainly, you know, for, for us, I think revenue has returned to um, a projected levels. Certainly on the bar side, um, from a wholesale side, you know, there's, there's so many different nuances to this conversation, Stefan. I think that's the that, that's you know the, the real problem of trying to summarise it down into a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. But from a you know from a brewery that doesn't own its own bars, um, uh, certainly for us. From a wholesale side, we've seen massive increases in the competition in the marketplace. Yeah, um, uh, that's partially down to um, uh, cost of living. Um, uh, I'm sure partially down to people's uh, pressures on their expenditure, um, uh, less disposable expenditure um, certainly the the communications out to us and the news is designed I think to give us a great deal of fear about the future so Absolutely. whether it's a, a real pressure right now um, or, a, or a fear of the pressure that's going to come um, both will certainly cause people to be more aware of the uh, money they're spending where they're spending it what's a necessary expenditure um, like 
bread and milk and other things you'd buy for your fridge. And what's that? Luxury, like craft beer, 440ml cans at £6 a can. Um, so people definitely, you know, I think that's part of it. But also uh, the, the, the competition in the marketplace that's came about, I think, um, has a lot to do with Brexit. Um, yeah. And whichever way you lean, you can't deny that. Um, the 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 huge increase in in red tape time cost for us to get beer into Europe has caused, I think, largely speaking, a huge amount of the importers into Europe just to wash their hands of British beer. Um, and certainly if they've not washed their hands of it, cut back hugely on what they're purchasing, which I think has meant that a huge amount of the beer that was getting sent out of the UK by independent brewers is now getting pushed into the marketplace in the UK. Um, so say you've got a brewery, you know, I know I know one brewery, for instance, who sent half of their beer abroad. Um, and now almost all of that's coming to the UK. So they're yeah. they're essentially selling twice the amount of beer, good beer, um, into the UK. And I think you can probably um, take that same example and translate it through most breweries in the UK. Yeah. Um, so there's just far, far, far more beer, almost at the click of a finger, getting pushed into the UK market. Um, and um, because of that, the competition um, in the UK market has went through the roof. Um, uh, so the um, you know the 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 challenge in making sales is just higher. Um, uh, so yeah, you know the, the, those two sides to it um, uh, has um, you know is, is causing I think the the wholesale um, aspect of beer sales to be really challenging. Um, as I said, you know we we've got our own bars, so it's uh you know we we sell sixty plus percent of our product through our own our own taps. So that other forty percent is like we have the ability to. Um, to suffer some losses there with regards yeah. to volume um, and then not bury your business. But if you're 100% to wholesale business um, and you're losing 20, 30, 40% of your sales um, coming into this year at the same time as suffering massive increases in the cost of your supply chain and the cost of products going into your beer, um, you know, those two things are a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. Disaster. I mean, I, I, my laugh is not one of uh, humor there. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Um, and again, to try and be positive in this environment. And there's a lot that the news kind of feeds a real sense of fear. And sometimes if you get lost in that whirlwind, mm. uh, but it's when, you know... <laughs> You, I've heard different arguments on this fact. Like one, obviously there was a boom in craft beer, probably around when we kind of started eight, mm-hmm. eight years ago, there was a real kind of emergence of British craft beers uh, and, and, and breweries. And, you know, 2000 plus or something emerged. Now, I guess it's just the nature of our economic system that not every one of those is going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, at the point, we're at at the moment it's a lot of maybe smaller breweries because you you know how it is like i've worked in smaller breweries and we were a smaller brewery once there's not much money to be made at a smaller scale so as soon as you put a 30 percent malt increase or a 300 percent electric bill comes through and that's it that's it stephen you know you're you're that that's the summary of it you know as soon as you with, with these i think I think it's probably not appreciated 
for anyone that doesn't look at a brewery or a bar for that matter, P&L, profit and loss account on a monthly or yearly basis, how little profit there really is mm-hmm. for small owner operated businesses. Um, and, you know, you look at the at the loans taken through the pandemic and the repayments, um, for instance, for us, you know, those repayments are an additional four and a half thousand pounds per month. Um, uh, so a lot of money. Um, uh, so you've got that, you know, you've got, you got stream one there, um, additional cost. I think, you know, it's maybe, maybe not as large as that, maybe larger um, uh, for um, for the majority of breweries around the country, um, increase in costs for, for no additional revenue there. Um, uh, but then you've got some loss of sales, um, uh, which I think is probably fair to say across the board again. Um, and then you've got this massive increase in um, supply chain costs. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I, I think I think it's fair to say that there'll be a huge amount of breweries who are making very little profit in the first place. Good businesses. Um, uh, there's no no criticism there. Good businesses making yeah. very, very tight margins in the first place who are now looking at their P&Ls on a monthly basis, quarterly basis. And really just wondering how on earth they stack that up yeah. and continue to operate a business. And in fact, we're seeing it on a on a almost daily basis. Breweries announcing that they're starting you know, packing up and um stopping. Well, I mean, um, you guys it, had the, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, the big the biggest casualty has been uh, wild beer by uh, yeah. by a country mile and 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 you know, there's probably a longer story than just the current circumstances, but For sure. but um, yeah, when you start seeing names like that, you go like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there's there's two two ends of the scale um, down, down here. You know, there's the guys that started um, bought our old brewery off of this Newtown Park. Um, of course, great, yeah, great great brand, good people. I think you know, had they opened up at any time in the seven, eight, nine years prior to the pandemic, they they would have really thrived um, and were unable to find a place where they could make profit required to be sustainable. Yeah. I mean, they're wild be at the very other end of it, who were one of the, you know, the very first of the um you know, the, the first wave of great craft breweries to come out of the UK, second wave maybe. Um, uh, certainly led the way within their niche um, and um, have ridden that, that full circle all the way around to yeah. um, administration closing down um, it is um, certainly you know the, 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 it doesn't matter where you sit I think in the in the in, within the, the industry at the moment whether you're starting out whether you're established and have been at it for a long time there is there is risk for sure um, for for everyone at the moment, and it's going to be you, know, you. You'll see. I think I fear in the coming six months that that we're going to see. You know, there was there was three thousand two hundred breweries. I think in the UK, and I think that was the peak of it in two thousand twenty one, yeah. possibly, um, uh, and that was down to two thousand five hundred at last count. I think, um, uh, and I, and I fear you're going to see a you know. <laughs> be half of that as things settle out the far side of course you've always got you know within every industry you have you have waves yeah and peaks and troughs Uh, and and craft beer went through a you know a fairly unprecedented certainly within the UK um, peak 
for 10 years there, it went the tear of, uh, of expansion and continual growth of both um, demand in the marketplace and breweries opening up to supply that demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that came, I, I think it's probably fair to say again that it was um, that it was decreasing as the pandemic hit. I think that wave was starting to plateau, if not drop slightly. But, I mean, that really was the, it was the anchor thrown out the side of the ship at that point. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, and it, you, know, the, and the, you know, who knows how far that number of breweries will go down before it settles off. Um, and we and we find a place of stability again. So, with with regards to kind of everything we've just talked about there, um, again, you could argue that this is just the nature of business. There's an expansion. There's a bubble. That bubble bursts. I mean, even in the tech world, you know, they're having this kind of like midlife crisis of Twitter and Facebook and mass layoffs and you know anything tech based used to just have money plowed at it and it. It's, mm. it's it's since kind of come to this reckoning of like, right, okay, well, where where is this going? Anyway, side note there. But how do you think the landscape looks after this? Because as you said, there's way more competition in the wholesale UK market. And I guess, you know, what once was a super cooperative business and still is largely, but there's going to be way more competition between breweries um producing craft beer whilst the mm. kind of big boys still sit at the top who are facing their own, you know, dilemmas. Um, how does that resolve? Do you think, do you think that like some of the bigger craft breweries just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it becomes this kind of like. Tough to say, Stephen. It's like, it's too early. You know, it's like you'd be, we're still standing here blind as to what the next year or two years looks like. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, you know, to say what'll be, you know, the the steady ground at the far side of it, I'm afraid I, I I'm conscious here that we've both said that we're optimists at the start of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we're just <laughs> jumped into I've got the very some optimistic uh, yeah, some optimism <laughs> to, to come later, but we'll we'll just dive into the despair at the moment. But but what I what I what I would say um uh, is that margins are being decimated. So cost of our beer is going through the roof. And I don't think that's going to slow down to, hey, we slow, actually, that's, I mean, it's been pretty dramatic in the last year, so hopefully it will slow down, but it's not going to stop um, increasing at a rate faster than it's comfortable for some time. Um, certainly not through this year, I don't think. That's all my opinion. Obviously, I don't, you know, I've not got a crystal ball any more than anyone else has. But I, I suspect it's not going to um, stop. At a, you know, as I said, a, a rate is going to be comfortable for for some time now, possibly into twenty twenty four or beyond. Um, uh, so the breweries that were working on very very tight margins um, they are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they see their way through it, I don't know. The breweries that come through, I think, I in a manner which is. Um, uh, allowing them to be a similar condition, i.e. ownership um, and um, type of beer they produce, the way in which they present their brand is still authentic to what they were prior to the pandemic. Um, The people that will manage that, I suspect, will be the people that um, have access to their own routes to market, Mm -hmm. um, i.e. 
you know, they've managed to build a business which um, allows them to access the high margins that um, they do when they're selling product through their own taps, through their own tap rooms. And I think that was a, it was already a trend that you could see beginning. You're talking about that second, first, second wave of craft brews, and I was mentioning wild beer. You look at the fourth wave probably of craft brews coming through um, and um, a high proportion of them um, were setting up with the model of having their own tap room um, in the first place that people were accessing the product was with the you know across the bar in their own tap room across the counter in their own tap room um, I suspect it's those people that um, are going to continue to be able to thrive um, uh, in the coming year years obviously many others will too people in the wholesale market as people have got their um, uh, their um, established routes to market wider routes to market. Um, they're big enough that um, they can take advantage of the economies of scale. Um, at the same time, as selling into those wider routes to the market. People will be successful there. That's not to say that's not a, a, a way that you can have your business. But the people that can be in that sphere um, are limited. You can't, you know, everyone can't be selling beer everywhere mm-hmm. into those wider routes to the market. You know, that is a, you know, a, it's a, like a pyramid type of thing. You know, there's only so many people can be within that top part of the pyramid. So how do you find stability and profit while being um, in the wider part of that pyramid um, uh, and consistency in route to market, consistency in margin, um, uh, consistency in achieving margin within a world where costs have gone through the roof mm-hmm. um, and continue to? Um, and as I say, I, I suspect, I think that will be within people who have got their own tap rooms, got their own bars and lean into that side of the business or people that have not had that side of the business prior to the pandemic. Um, and um, as we're exiting this side of it, can recognise that um, their wholesale routes to markets are being are being challenged, badly challenged. Um, and if they do what that route to market requires, which is um, either um, hold their price um, and accept the uh, um, reduced margins um, or lose the position within whatever um, grocery store it may have been, mm-hmm. uh, they uh, can move across and uh, either open their own tap rooms, open their own bars and lean into that side of um, that side of the market. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I suspect, you know, that I, may, I probably sound like a broken record for every time I ever talk about the future of the industry. I always bang on about um, own taps, own bars, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it is it is it is without doubt. I think for anyone that would be starting now, an essential part, like because we kind of just gone through our second phase, and you know, we went from our expansion up to our site now, and right at the heart the, of that business plan was a tap room. Like it, yeah. it, it had to be, otherwise, it just feels like it's not a feasible um, yeah. business without it. Yeah. Now we kind of settled for a similar model in certain regards. Obviously you had your bars before and we haven't entered that world, but we both kind of saw the value in maybe staying slightly smaller and quite nimble and creative and then having a direct outlet. Do you feel more validated in the, in the choices that you've made within left-handed giant or if you could see all this, on the horizon coming, would you have deviated slightly from from that? Route? Oh, I mean, I don't. I don't feel validated. Certainly, you know, certainly, I feel um, increased confidence that the decisions that we made over the years have been the right ones. And certainly, mm-hmm. off the back of the pandemic and having the bars shut down and 
really having what I thought was our greatest asset um, and what I thought was a really um, solid foundation for the rest of our business to grow upon, taken away from us. Um, I really rocked my confidence that what we were doing was the right thing, um, especially seeing the, <laughs> the the massive uptick in um, supermarket sales for a lot of people through that period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the, I, I certainly, as we come at the far side of it, I have had that confidence restored um, that what we are doing, how we're doing it, is certainly the correct thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's profit to be had, there's stability to be had, and that, that is how we'll continue to to grow our business. Uh, so yeah, you know, I certainly there's no there's no validation that that's for sure. I, you know, I just feel I, I I've had yeah the the, the confidence that I had in what we were doing um, renewed as we've come out the far side and seen certainly you know the challenges in the in the wholesale marketplace. Um, uh, as I said earlier on, the, the thought of being a hundred percent wholesale brewery at the moment um, with a with an export um you know a heavy export lean to those sales god I, I my heart breaks for those breweries right now because through really no fault of their own they will be they they will be found in a position of huge stress right yeah now. yeah yeah and it is weird. it's just like <laughs> You know, we I guess it's a, in, in in the business joke of just like you you ride one wave and then you're like, man, things are looking up yeah. here. Like post COVID, just like right, we're getting back into the groove, and then hit with the uh, you know the the war in the Ukraine and the power bills, and obviously yeah. it's just such a tragedy for for so many reasons. But um, yeah, okay. you know what? One thing actually that, that I think um, I've recognised about our own business, which is probably a lesson that I should have already known, um, and is and is worth stating, which is that. Anyone that's got eye too heavy lean on any one route to market is always open to something happening they weren't expecting and Absolutely. getting left right up the river with no paddle. Um, and I think certainly, you know, going through the the pandemic, that you know, that that to a degree was us. Like we, you know, we very very heavily lean on our bars, um, and um, when the bars were taken away by extension, we had to we had to change direction and um, find a new route to market really quickly, um, and, and that was stressful and painful. Um, I think I think within any business, there's a there's a lesson there, which is that you need to ensure that you've always got a balanced route to market across the various different ways in which you sell your beer. And if you can do that, then it certainly gives you more ability to. Within whatever might happen, I think there's another lesson. You know, the the you look at the pandemic, and then you look at the last year, the cost of living crisis. Um, you look at Brexit, even um, uh, like the things that I would have written down in our um, SWOT analysis back before the business started under threats would have included none of those things. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, like, uh, you know what can you what can you plan for? You know, you can plan for the things that you can see, but I guarantee you there's a pile of things that are going to happen drastically that you're not going to see, you're not going to expect. And yeah. you've got to build a business which has the foundation, um, has the um, demand, the gravity towards the consumers, and that allows you to ride in within any of those things. Yeah, um, and, a, and a balanced route to market is, I think, probably a, you know, a large part of that. Yeah, I remember listening and kind of taking the wisdom of, I think he was the CEO of, 
bones for you or something. And he, he had the 10% rule. Now, 10% is a hard one, but he was basically saying never let any of your market get over 10%, basically. Uh, it, the idea just being that you have this yeah. coverage. So whenever there's a peak, there's a trough, there's, yeah. there's a peak, there's a trough. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, it's something, again, that we try and manage is that you've heard the horror stories of a brewery going under because, you know, they had a pale ale that they supplied for a pub group and the pub group suddenly just changed. And then that was their whole route to market. So, you know, the, the balance is definitely, definitely key. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. presents the first time. And this is our interview with Bruce Gray. Okay, should we should we head into optimistic waters? We can try. Let's try try and get our head ab- above the uh, the crashing waves. Okay, so there's an interesting aspect that's been brought forward by the current energy crisis. Now, you know, when I sit and try and think about issues like a lot of the stuff we've just talked about, it's like right, how can we find a creative way out of this, or how can we find uh some positive outlook to, to to kind of spin into um and it was really 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 hard and next to impossible for us in our current situation but the energy situation because you you are totally reliant on power it's an energy hungry business so you're you're totally reliant on co2 and um and gas and electricity, but sustainability. Now, it's really hard for us to model that now. We've had some quotes on solar panels and stuff, and it's just it's just way, way too much because of the structure of our building and this, that, and the other. But for anyone kind of looking at the brewery industry and a lot of people who are in it right now, they're trying to find basically the less, trying to rely on people less, so that you have more control over your, yeah. not just routes to market, but like outgoings. And I know that you guys have kind of worked on that as well. I wondered if you had any advice or outlook on how that could progress within the industry. Um, sustainability is another subject that keeps kind of coming to my attention, you know, that I'd yeah. like to explore more and, and see if it's actually viable for, for this industry. Yeah, certainly the you know the the costs involved in putting solar panels on the roof, putting a CO two recapture plant in, putting a nitrogen um, generation plant in, um, the costs involved in those things are high, but the increasing costs of energy are making them more sensible decisions. There are a lot of grants available, um, mm-hmm. which probably you know the, I can I can reel them off right now but i don't know if you can put notes on um on the podcast and we can yeah. potentially um, offer um pointers to where we've gone certainly um but the again you know it's a difficult one because you've got you know the, the majority of businesses that we are talking about are quite small owner operated um and the people at the forefront of it are there um, making beer selling beer delivering beer and the ability then to kind of step back from the front of that and look at the PL. Um, go looking for grants, make the um, the analysis is required to figure out whether solar panels 
um, nitrogen generation, CO2 recapture, where all these things are viable investments or not. Um, there's minimal, like the ability to step back from the coalface and try and figure these things out is really, really difficult. We're privileged, like, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of people um, uh, and we do have that ability and we have done those things. And I'll, and I'll talk through a bit more about what, what we are doing and what we have done and what we intend to do in a minute. Um, but I appreciate anyone listening to the podcast might be like, Jesus, give us a break here. Like we're trying to survive, making <laughs> yeah. beer. And now you want yeah. us to go away and look at what we can do. But just, um, just, to, just, to, just to, sorry to interrupt there. There was just an interesting thing. I actually spoke to Michael Wiper from Wiper and True and we were talking mm. about solar panels and he was basically saying that the loan repayments for the solar panel fitting that he got was lower than his energy coat, the energy yes. cost. So it's just like, it's just a crazy way to think about things, but it, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. carry on, Bruce. Yeah, yeah and, you, and you have an asset there. You know, you, you're you're paying back the loan on an asset um, for your solar panels, which are now generating electricity um, as opposed to... Um, every single penny of that um, cost going out to an energy company. Um, you know, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only makes sense if you have the time to go and do the research, figure it out, and then you have the cash um, uh, or availability of funding to buy the damn things. It's all well and good saying the solar panels cost X amount. Um, uh, the loan repayments will be less than the energy costs that it will save you. Um, but if you go to a lender and they say, listen, you're maxed out, you, we're not going to lend to you, then well, you're left um, back at square one again. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be the case for, for a lot of people. So it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's all well and good saying that it makes sense to do it, but it only applies if you can, you can afford to go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, certainly I mean, from we, we, got, we got a quote and it was 180 grand and it was just like look there is just no way we can <laughs> we can do this right now wow what yeah. for solar panels yeah really? but there's, there's a reason like it's the structure of our roof and there's possible asbestos um so they can't like so you have to get a whole frame put in place to then place the wow. solar, pa- solar panels on so yeah it makes it a non-viable wow. option for us so solar panels now are roof at the brewery in St. Phillips were just under £30,000 and we had a grant wow. to cover half of that. Um, That's amazing. I, um, so the, you know, the, the, it was, you know, it's, it wasn't cheap in the first place, but certainly the, the grant made a huge dent into allowing that to be affordable. Um, uh, but the, so we, we are looking at, um, we're, we're undergoing a grant application right now for a CO2 recapture unit. Which covers up to seventy percent of the of the project. Um, a project will likely be about one hundred and ten thousand pounds. So you know that that gives you an idea of the the grant size is available there. Whether we get it or not is a different question. But we're we're putting the application in, um, and likely at the same time we'll put in a nitrogen um, generation plant as well. Um, and um, you know those 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 things um, certainly will reduce the cost. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna take us back to the kind of energy. Um, a cost CO two cost that we had prior to this year, um, but um, but certainly it reduces it. Um, I think that's the thing. You know, within within any um, volatile situation, uh, what can we do? You know, what can't we do? We can we cannot control um, what we are charged by the energy companies mm-hmm. um, to 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 a large degree. But obviously, we can reduce our energy output but we need to we need doesn't matter how many efficiencies you put in place we need to expend energy um so we, we can't affect that cost 
um, uh, we can't affect um, uh, the cost of our malt, the cost of our hops to any great degree. Obviously, we can do some negotiation, but in the current climate, it's very difficult to do so. So largely speaking, we can say we can't control those things, the supply chain cost. Um, largely speaking, we can say that those are out of our control. Um, uh, so what can you control? You can control things like um, solar panels going on the roof. You can control things like um, CO2 recapture and nitrogen generation. They also help us from a sustainability perspective. They're the right thing to do, not only a good thing to do. Um, but um, we can also control our, our margins to a degree from the rest of the market we choose as well, how we how we set our business up. And I think, you know, for, for me, that, that probably should be like one of the real key um, things for people sitting down at the beginning of 2023. Like, what can you control and what can't you control? Um, all the things you can't control are going to cause you stress. <laughs> There's no getting away from that. Like, those things loom over us. Um, and we can't get away from that. But, you know, to a degree, you've got to take a deep breath and throw that over your shoulder. Um, what can you control? Um, and write down that list of things. What can you control? What are the things you can alter within your business? Um, and that is who you sell beer to, how you sell beer, the price in which you sell beer um, through those markets. Um, uh, it is things that reduce the cost of your production all over again, like um, solar panels, um, CO2 um, recapture, nitrogen generation, um, your um, efficiencies in your brew kit, like all those little things that you can do to make the beer that you're putting through your tanks cost a little bit less at the front end, not through the supply chain. Um, write down a list of all those things you can control <laughs> and then start trying to control them. Because ultimately, you know, all those things that do cause you stress, those things that are out of your control, you can reduce that stress by feeling like you have some control um, over those little things, even if it is tiny, tiny little things on a daily basis that you can start putting your hands on and feeling like you're having some small impact into um, what your beer costs you and by extension, your margin at the far end. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you go on like the, the big scale kind of like climate change or, or, or businesses going green picture, a lot of the bigger businesses, especially in the beer sector and like bigger craft breweries and stuff, are going to have to do this because it, it just makes no financial sense not to do it almost. So like sustainability is almost uh, an, an accident of circumstance because it just yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes it mo so much more yeah. like CO2 re recapture, for instance, just and solar panels and, and just finding yeah. forms of power generation that aren't going to be... So certainly CO2 recapture and um, nitrogen generation, we looked at a, oh, a year to two years ago. Yeah. Um, and the cost of it wasn't drastically different to what it is now. Um, although the, there's a there's a company called Dalem who have came along who are offering a, a better um, price than was available to us. But the, the cost is drastically different. Um, uh, but um, all of a sudden, the world's changed, um, and the and the the cost of it, which was presented to us a year to two years ago, which seemed astronomical, all of a sudden versus the price of CO two doesn't seem so astronomical anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, certainly the the pressures that have been placed in this um, are having a a positive impact into um, our carbon footprint, into our sustainability efforts. Um, because a lot of the things that we can do are um, are things that will reduce our carbon footprint, like the things already mentioned. Yeah, uh, and that, that's got to be a positive thing. Um, it's certainly there's you know you you look at it 
Um, again, we're privileged, we're fortunate. We can afford those things. And certainly, you know, the, the, we have people, a person who is there to go hunting for grants, not, not his only job, uh, but part of his job is go hunting for grants. Yeah. Uh, and um, But I'd take us back seven years and that would have been me. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't have had the time or the energy within this climate to go hunting for those grants. Um, but um, but certainly, you know, the the, the pressures that are out there are are, are without doubt uh, um, having a positive influence into us. We, you know, the 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 things that we are doing and plan to do over the next year, almost all, um, uh, um, from an investment perspective, either going to make us make more liquid from the same energy mm-hmm. um, centrifuge, um, uh, lower a carbon footprint um, per litre we produce, um, uh, or they're going to. Um, do things like pull um, CO2 that we're emitting and allow us to reuse it again. Um, really positive things from both a margin perspective, um, but also from an environmental perspective. Yeah, so there, there's some optimism and, and positive yeah. like outlook. Yeah. It is just yeah, interesting sure. that these these choices are kind of almost a, a forced hand, but actually a beneficial come like your carbon footprint and things like that. Yeah. Um, so. With all this being said, you know, I had a really, really cool and interesting chat with James Rylance, who set up Ideal Day. You know, it's a small scale production, but he's, you know, mm. determined to be ridiculously sustainable. You know, like everything has a backstory and things are getting used, low wastage, you know, and it's a it's really beautiful thing, but it's a smaller scale, which makes mm. it, you know, it, it, and, and when I had this interview with him, I was like, you know, how do we scale this up? Do you think that the practices that are going on now will inform people to to look towards that, um, including, you know, our suppliers, malt producers, hot producers? And, you know, what do you see, you know, how is this going to reflect in the glass as in beer styles and and you know what people are going to actually be wanting to drink oh geez well, there's a broad question there for a start um, and um again I, I would go back to the point i made it's too you know who, who knows i don't know how this um i don't know how this pans out over the next two years um, certainly the you know the people that exist in the both from from suppliers and producers the people that exist in the marketplace just now um, will already be um, in debt. Um, will generally speak and have investors, people that they have committed to a business plan and a size and growth um, to already. And the, the ability for them to change their structure drastically um, is low. Um, uh, but, you know, as I said earlier on, even before the, the pandemic, there were people that were setting up that were much more focused as we are, um, and as you are, on being small, being independent, being quality-led, mm-hmm. um, and not using... And this is this is something for us, but I think it's fair to say for, for a lot of the real modern breweries, not using growth as a, as a KPI, mm-hmm. um, not using growth as, like a, as, a, as a real target per year, but using, their, you know, using how good they are, um, uh, how great their environment is for the people, how great the product is in the glass um, as their main key performance indicator. 
Um, and, I, and I suspect that for those people that you know have set up with that intention and for anyone setting up from this point forward with regards to craft breweries um, and potentially bars that, that that will be more and more the case um, with suppliers uh, it's tough to say you know how what to look at a malt producer or a or a hop farmer um, and um, see a new player come to the market, I think the chance of that's minimal. Um, to any great degree, obviously, I know J- James will make his own, grow his own malt, um, but um, he's not going to have the ability to pass that on to anyone else to any great degree. Uh, but to see anyone else come into the marketplace that has um, greater ideals or ethos than the current um, producers, I think, is slim. Um, so how it, how it um, affects the, you know, the, the beer that gets to the glass, um, <laughs> I, I do I don't know. Um I suspect as I say you, you're gonna you're gonna see an awful lot more I hope you're gonna see an awful lot more breweries that are selling beer into your hand um that um they can do so from within 10 or 20 miles from where you're drinking it. Yeah. Um and um and I you know I've always thought that is a good thing. I've always thought that is a thing to strive for. Um and I continue to think that um it's only it's only reinforced by the climate we're in just now. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess like locality really, you know, we I don't want to say lean heavy, but it's just so important to just have a local following, like people that are passionate about you and you're passionate about them and you want to push your city yeah. forward in whatever direction that is, whether it be food or beer or. Um, but, that, but that applies to every, from every perspective, Stefan. It's like, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, you've got loyal customers there who you can see and feel what your business is about. Um, I'm much more inclined to when they've got that decision to make between making that luxury purchase or not to make it because they care about you and they yeah. know you're not just another can or another product on a shelf. Um, it's a liquid with a soul, with people that they know um, and feel a connection to behind it. But also, it's higher margin. Um, yeah. The less distance that beer is going to travel, the, the less... Um, different channels that beer has to travel down to get to the end consumer, the more margin can stay with the small independent business that, that is at the base of it. Um, and um, and the more, I think, consistent you will find those sales to be um, and um, successful the business will be at the end of it. Something that I didn't touch on last time, and it's a little bit of a sore spot because I know you've been going through injuries, but when you are juggling stress and juggling, um, you know, owning a business and going through these times, finding ways, um, I mean, to manage manage that stress, I guess. For, for you, you you went pretty hard into, you know, exercise, running, cycling. You competed in some ultras, all that kind of thing. And you, you used to tell me that that was where you did a lot of your thinking about business when you were just out on a trail yeah. or something like that yeah yeah definitely um and there, there, there are two and I, and I would stress because not not everyone has the desire inclination to go and um, run cycle swim yeah. um, <laughs> for um for hours at a time um or go off to the mountains whatever else like that but but i would say you know i've already touched upon this for you know that, that we are in a stressful period right now and as and as business operators as people who work within businesses that are being affected by this it is stressful, um, but um, you know the, the 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 number one way to deal with that, like stress, comes from a, from a feeling of lack of control, mm-hmm. uh, and there's so much within the last three years that have caused us all to feel that like we don't have control over 
the um, things that are influencing our daily life um, and our working conditions. Um, but you, there's there's got to be a point where you realise that that's the case. You can't control those things, um, mm-hmm. and you try and find things that you can have control over, um, and that's looking much closer to home. So I would encourage anyone that um, that is working within or operating a business that's currently being affected to just step back um, and write down a list of those different things, um, and then identify within the things that are stressing them out what they can control, what they um, can't control, um, take the things that they can control, um, try, and I don't know if it's easier said than done, try and write them onto a piece of paper, scrumple it up and throw it over the shoulder and accept that whenever those things come back into their head, recognise it, see it, um, I can't control that, don't stress about it, mm-hmm. um, and then take the things that you can control um, and write an action plan, um, take control of those things, put in place steps that will allow you to achieve those things. Um, at least give yourself the sense that on a daily basis you are making um, headway into a headwind um, and um, at least there's something that you are achieving, um, even if it's tiny little things within the, the grand scheme of it. Um, but look at the things you can control and, and, and lean into those things. Um, but certainly, you know, the, 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 I think being, being healthy um, and being fit um, is, is hugely beneficial to to managing stress within a, a difficult um, working environment. Yeah. Um, and certainly I find that from um, from running um, and cycling and swimming. Um, and, um, you know, whether anyone else can find it from those same things. Um, uh, you run a run club at track, we run a run <laughs> club at Black Panda Giant. Um, for that very reason, because I feel really passionate about the fact that um, uh, it's easy as you get older to let your fitness slide um, I look at the people that I went to school with. I'm sure none of them are going to listen to this podcast. I'm safe in saying it. Um, but almost without fail, they've allowed themselves to, like really fit, active people allowed themselves to slide into uh, middle age. And I'm 42 now. Um, uh, allowed themselves to slide into middle age and activity. And they look around themselves. And generally speaking, their peers have done the same thing. So it makes it okay. Um, I'm fitter now than I was when I was um, 20. I've no doubt about that, despite the injuries. Um, and it makes me um, sharper, um, uh, more driven, um, uh, makes me uh, more capable of dealing with working days. Um, uh, and um, yeah, anyone that um, that maybe feels like they uh, have let themselves um, slide into middle age and doesn't, doesn't like it is an easy way to fix it, which is get off the couch and put one foot in front of the other going... Um, run to one lamppost and walk to the next and run to another and walk to the next and you'll find yourself in a year or two years maybe attending tracks run club or left hand <laughs> surrounded by a, like a, a really supportive great group of people um, who are helping you be fit helping you be active um, and giving you like a really supportive and um, um, group of people who bring um, motivation and joy into your life yeah. um, but, but that being said um that works for me and I think it works for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you find, you know, if you, if you're, if your entire life is revolving around about your um, work um, and then say beer as a hobby within that, and that's probably going to um, allow you um, far more of an opportunity to fall into stress when things aren't going right at work. Mm-hmm. Um, find something that's out with that, which you can be passionate about, which you can be interested in, that when you do leave work, you do leave the beer environment if you work in a brewery and a bar, um, that you can go and lean into um, and get reward from um, and get joy from 
um, that's outside of the sphere of what you do on your daily life. That surely has to be the goal. Um, and if it is cycling, running, swimming, whatever, be in the hills, um, then um, I might see you there. Um, <laughs> but if it's not, if it's not, then you know you you, you go and do your thing. That's um, that, that you're into. I think the important thing is you find something that's um, that can be out with the the working environment, um, out with the thing that your work is focused on, like beer. If you're in breweries or bars, yeah, I think there's there's so much valuable stuff in there. I don't, I don't want to turn it into like everyone should get running. No, and he, he I. yeah, that, that's but, why. I but it's just an important. Yeah, yeah. I think the important thing is that it's very easy, especially in our industry, to like we create a product that a lot of people lean on when stressed yeah. and that can just cause that can snowball, you know? So yes. like not just leaning on drinking as a, as a coping mechanism, you know? Yes. And, um, and, and I think, you know, a really important thing is knowing what you can control and what you can't control is, is, is an, an important aspect. Like I, I it just made me think about all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It's it's a simple message, and I appreciate because I'm not trying to you know there's no I'm not trying to patronise. Um, oh, absolutely! Because it's, it's a very simple thing, but I think it's something that I um, forget and find myself caught in that in that cycle um, where you're stressed about things you can't control. And I think it's just important to um, remind myself um, and by extension remind others that that, that is the case. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate a simple message, but I think it's worth repeating. it another episode done and a first for the first time uh, a repeat guest thanks so much to bruce for coming back on and giving us a little bit of wisdom and insight into how he sees the industry as of today and how we can move forward in a positive direction um yeah hope you enjoyed that one thanks so much to tom coucher for production and as ever we will see you on the other side stay thirsty <laughs>